Blog Talk Radio. It's the Jenny Hatch Show at Blogging Mothers Magazine, and I'm going to share a podcast today of some thoughts that I've been having while my two sons have been serving LDS missions for the last two years. Uh, my son just left over two years ago. He decided to extend his mission six weeks in Honduras, and he'll be home in about seven days. And my son Andrew has been out for about six months. He's in Guatemala. And so as we've been preparing our home for Jeff's return, my thoughts have really been going back to the past two years and how it has felt to have these boys out. And I just wanted to share a few thoughts uh, with anyone who chances by My show is dedicated to family life, and because I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, there's a strong Mormon overtone to all of my writings and my blog and my books and the various things I have out there on the Internet. But I haven't really spent much time uh, writing about what it's been like to be a missionary mom and I thought maybe some of the thoughts that were in my heart today might be helpful to some other parents out there who may be going through similar similar things. I always know that I'm in trouble as a parent when instead of feeling frantic or depressed, my spirit goes very quiet and still. Because it's a sign to me that the emotions that I'm feeling are so big that I really don't have the capacity to feel them. And when Jeff received his call in the weeks leading up to when he left for the MTC, I had this experience of things getting very, very still in my heart. And there was a level of terror and fear that came over me that was so real um, that I just, you know, I numbed out. I couldn't feel it. And I don't want to say that it was a lack of faith or a lack of desire for him to serve. We would planned for him to serve his whole life, groomed him to be a missionary. I mean, it was all, all we taught him throughout his childhood is that when you're a certain age and you're a faithful member of this church, you go serve a mission. And so it wasn't that. It was more, I wasn't sure how my day-to-day life was going to look without him being a part of it. This child who had been in our home for 18 years, who had been the joy and delight of, of my heart, was leaving for a very long time. And I just wasn't sure how I was going to able be able to deal with that loss. So... Um, that's the first thing is just that that feeling of uh the death of your family and what you've known as your family with all the children home and your busy schedule and so I was mourning that, and I was also knowing that when he came back, he wasn't going to uh, be you know my son anymore in terms of you know a teenager who needs mom, he was going to be someone else. And so I was going to have to get to know him better. And while I will say that it's been helpful to get the weekly emails, um, 
I'm kind of sad that they don't do snail mail letters anymore because at least in the country where he is, the time is so limited in the Internet cafe where they do their work that um, if he only has an hour to read and write the emails, there's not a lot that they can share. And so I know he was writing to several friends and he would just send one group email a week that was maybe two or three paragraphs. Most of the time it was just one paragraph. And it was like, hey, everything's good, taught this person, the work's going great, love you, bye. So that that was one side of it, that there was just this deficit of information. And I like to think that if he had been sending me snail mail letters every week, there might have been more details about what his life was like. But um, because it was email and he could send these group emails, it was just really short. And I never heard from his mission president or the mission president's wives. Um, I heard stories growing up from my brothers, oh, I love my mission president, you know, and we'd hear, get letters, and um, there was contact. And so that was odd to me that there was no contact from the mission president. I don't know if they've been instructed not to spend their time in contact with the families back home. I, I just don't know. And so that was odd that there was no contact with them. There was no contact from the MTC. Um, we basically just handed him off at the doors of the Mission Training Center in Provo and goodbye. And so, um, again, this feeling of like, you know, this kid's gone I don't really know what's happening. And then, for for me as a mom, you hear stories and see things that other people post on their blogs. Um, Probably the darkest day was when I just was on my iPad reading the news, and there's a headline, Mormon Missionary Killed in Honduras. And my heart skipped a beat. And it wasn't so much that I was afraid that Jeff was dead, because I had this thought, you know, if my child had died, I would know. I would just know it in my bones. But it was more that I knew that if somebody had died in the mission field, most likely this would have been someone who Jeff was friends with, and it would have impacted him. And when we talked to him, which this incident happened right around the one of the times he was able to call home, I think on Christmas, um, he confirmed that, yeah, this is a young man who he knew and was friends with, and really respected, and he had died in a car accident. And um, so there were things like that, you know. And, and then the Saratov Approach movie came out, and like an idiot, I went and saw it. I, I don't know what I was thinking, but, you know, Paul and I went and saw it at the Dollar Theater here in Cedar City. And I'm sitting here watching this movie, and I'm like, why am I sitting in a movie theater watching a movie about two Mormon missionaries being kidnapped in Russia, or I think Ukraine, um, when my own child is in the mission field. This is really, really dumb. So I watched that movie and felt a layer of, of terror and concern um, because it made it so visual what it might look like if he was kidnapped or um, hurt in some way on his mission. And and then, you know, moving away from just the 
sadness that this person that I love is out of my day-to-day life, and then the fear that, um, you know, something horrifying might happen to him, there's the added stress of um, my husband loses his job, and we go through eight months of unemployment, and the money's due for these missions, and how are we going to pay? We did have a savings account, and we used it month by month, but there came a day when the money was gone. (laughs) I'm going to cry. And I'm embarrassed to admit that I um, did not have enough faith to know that that money would be available in some miraculous way. I really fretted about it. I tried to find part-time jobs. I I really went out on the Internet, snag a job. I was looking for anything I can do. I even thought about waitressing, for heaven's sake, just so we could get the money to pay for Jeff's mission. And then um, somebody made an $800 donation to our mission fund without telling us who they were. And then another month, my brother-in-law made a donation, and then he made another donation. And I shouldn't have been surprised. I should have been more faithful. I should have expected that this was how it would go, but I guess I'm so pragmatic and practical that I I really think this is my and my husband's responsibility and that, you know, we, we're the ones who should be providing for our children, and so you don't, you don't expect that somebody else is going to to pick up the pieces of where um, there are deficits in your in your day to day life. So you know, the past year, as Paul lost his job, we lost our health care, um, we lost our insurance. We did have a good severance from Hewlett Packard that made things more comfortable for a few months but there came a day when that money was gone. And um, it was just such a tease of, you know, Paul would do an interview and it's a job that's in California or it's a job that's in Texas or in Colorado and are we going to have to move? And the constant back and forth stress of wondering what was going to happen and where we were going to go and how our life was going to work out was part of the big picture, too. And I have, you know, a a breathing condition. I have asthma, and then I have um, hypoxia, which makes it very difficult for me to breathe. And I had an oxygen machine that I was on that the concentrator was here in our home, and I was able to fill the tanks, and it was... It was very helpful to keep my oxygen saturation level very high. But there came a day when that was taken away because of our loss of our insurance. And so I went through again a couple of weeks of what am I going to do? This has been helping me so much to be able to breathe. And we're not going to have our insurance, so how are we going to, you know, take care of that? And I won't take the time to outline the details of the miracle that happened that placed an inogen oxygen concentrator in my hands. But I will say that my God is the God of miracles, and 
I love you, Carolyn Roundy, for what you did around making sure that that happens. And um, and my life has been greatly benefited by having this little machine by my side the last eight or nine months. And a, a miracle, a legitimate miracle in my life that um, I believe through several breathing emergencies kept me alive and when I did not have the luxury to go to urgent care or to the emergency room when I was having a breathing crisis, uh, my little machine was the thing that um, filled in the gaps there. So I think the main message I'd like to share with this podcast is that when you send your children out into the field to serve the Lord, that it's completely appropriate to expect miracles and to expect that the Lord will be with us and that he will bless us during whatever trials may appear. And Paul and I can both look back on the last year, and while there were just layers of unbelievable stress, mostly tied to him losing his job and our health care, there have been so many miracles and so much outpouring of love and support from our extended family who provided us with a better Christmas than we ever would have done for ourselves and from our ward family and community members. Um, Their generosity and love has meant everything. I'm pleased to report that my husband was able to land a contracting job that while he is grossly... (laughs) um, underemployed, we are so grateful for the income that he has brought in these past few months, and that has been a blessing as well. Um, I would like to testify about food storage and provident living because there was a time in our life when we had little babies and not a lot of cash when it felt like every time I had $5 in my pocket, I was going down to the cannery to can up another 5 or 10 pounds of wheat. And we have largely been eating that food for this past year. Cans of red, white, wheat, spelt, kamut, rice, beans that we canned in the early 90s um, have been the staples of our diet while Paul has not had a job. And this miracle of storing food and living providently and planting a garden, um, it has been put to the test this year in our home in a way that it never was before. And I am so grateful that we have been able to mostly be self-reliant with our day-to-day food. And uh, we even had a stash of uh, homemade laundry soap, you know, enough to last months that kind of carried us through. And so that has been a blessing as well. I would like to spend a minute talking about... um, the terror side of um, Mormon missions. 
Ironically, my Uncle Terry, who lives up in Salt Lake, works at the church office building, and it's his job to talk to the parents who have become so disturbed by what their children are going through in South America that when these parents call complaining, he's the one who answers the phone. I didn't know he had this job. But we went up to General Conference six months ago and stayed at a hotel and just happened to bump into him, and I had not seen him in years. He had been serving missions in South America and busy with his kids and grandkids. And so I bumped into him, and we got talking, and my son Andrew was just about to leave on his mission. So he was asking him where he was going, and then he told me what he does, which is he basically consoles these parents who are disturbed and upset by what they hear about their missionaries. And then he said, we just tell the missionaries not to share any of those details with their families. And I wanted to kind of shake him and say, not helpful, not helpful at all. Did not want to hear that. Because as I said, Jeff and now Andrew's emails are so short and the work's going great, love you, bye, that if you're a person like me who tends to have a wild imagination, my imagination has taken me to places that probably I never would have gone to if I'd just heard the actual details of what they were going through in their day-to-day lives. But because they've been counseled to not tell their parents the reality of what it's like to live in a third-world country, I'm at complete liberty to let my imagination run wild. And I would just like to point out, for those of you who are not listening to this live, who perhaps hear it in a year or two, that it has been during this very year when a flood of teenage immigrants have been fleeing the countries of Honduras and Guatemala to come to the U.S., because they're claiming there is so much violence, drug cartel horror going on in their own home countries that they have to flee as political prisoners. So during this past summer, while my two sons have been in those very countries of Honduras and Guatemala, every single day I'm out reading the news, hearing some other child's testimonial about what horrifying thing happened to them that made it so they had to flee and come to America. For the average American, this is probably not a big deal to read these stories. But for me, as the mother of two boys who are in those countries, all I can say is it's been a head trip. You know, my friend Barbara sent her son to Ukraine about the same time that Andrew left to go to Guatemala, and I said, how does it feel to be sending your child into a war zone? And she said, well, I'm just trying not to think about it, you know, because it is such a head trip. And kind of the same thing for me. You hear about all this violence and these sketchy things that have been happening in these incredibly poor countries. Then I read an article that was written by some people who went to Colombia And they wanted to go to Honduras because there's some of these temple hoppers. These are people in our church who like to go from country to country and visit all of the temples. So they wanted to go to the temple in Tegucigalpa in Honduras just because they wanted to check it off their list. And the Colombians said, oh, you don't want to go to Honduras. It's too poor. 
there's too much violence, there's too much chaos in the streets, it's just not safe. So I read that blog entry on somebody's blog, and it, it again, yanked my chain. And, um, you know, I think the main thing I'd like to convey is that this is this is not easy. You know, it, it's just, it's been a trial of my faith. I... I am so glad that my boys wanted to serve, worked hard to save money to go, um, were able to do it physically, emotionally, and that they're there and they're going to hopefully finish strong. I I can tell Jeff is. I hope Andy does. But this is not easy. And, you know, we don't have any stories in the scriptures that tell what was going on when Ammon and the four sons of Mosiah took off on their missions, what their mothers were feeling. We we do get a realistic clue into what was in Sariah's heart when she sent her four sons off on a mission for the Lord to, to go get the brass plates. You know, she was she was upset and angry and hurt that her husband had sent these and the Lord had sent these boys off to this dangerous mission. And so I guess the the main thing I'd like to convey is that these feelings that we have are normal and perhaps our trial in feeling them, processing them, forgiving ourselves for even having them in the first place um, are part of our contribution to the whole big picture because it would be much easier to just say, you know, let's, let's just keep them home. We'll do our we'll do our missionary work on the internet, <laughs> you know. We'll just keep it all sanitary and clean and um, keep them home. Because believe me, that is the natural inclination of the mom. You don't want to send this child that you've spent your whole life teaching and feeding and raising into this place where there is danger. Honduras is the murder capital of the world, and Jeff told me everybody owns a machete and there's lots of crimes of passion and violence. Um, you know, most people wouldn't do that. And it's not like Mormons are sending their kids to a five-star resort and saying, you know, have a great spring break, you know, for a weekend in this safe, controlled environment in this third world country. No, they're living with the locals. They're living in... Um, some incredibly uh, poverty-stricken neighborhoods. Um, Jeff said when he got into Honduras, the mission president's home was in Tegucigalpa, so they they landed and they drove in, and he said he could see a Chili's restaurant, and then he saw a Kentucky Fried Chicken, and he was like, okay, you know, there's some familiar things. I'm okay and went and spent the night at the mission president's home. He took them out to eat at the Chili's restaurant. It's all familiar. And then the next day they drove out to his area. And he said the mission president drove up to this shack that had no running water, no electricity. It was dirty and dropped him off with a native companion who didn't speak any English. And... He said, Mom, I I don't have the words to convey to you what I felt. 
And I thought, well, I can imagine how you felt. Um, And all I can say is, you know, for us who live in first world, clean American uh, suburbia, again, this is not what we would normally think to do with our children. And um, when he sent his email this past Monday and shared a picture of these three girls who were baptized on Saturday, and he's been telling us about teaching them over the last few months, I could feel the joy coming like waves through the email. And he shared this picture of them at him and these girls at the baptism. And I just thought, you know what? It's all worth it. It's all worth it. And I need to just move past my own personal fear and terror and concern and land safely in the place of um, satisfaction and contentment that this is what he was supposed to be doing with his life for the past two years. And it will influence and affect his life forever. And that's enough. And so I think for me and probably for all of us, holding on to that eternal perspective and staying focused on the prize of Um, eternal life, especially for him with these souls, so many of whom he baptized these last two years, who he taught and he found um, how great will be their joy in Heavenly Father's kingdom. And and the two years of um, living in a place where perhaps most of us wouldn't choose to live, it sounds like a lot of the locals choose not to live there, um, you know, it's it's okay. It's really okay. And that that's where I would like to leave this podcast, that this is part of Heavenly Father's plan for our families. And that as the world continues to descend into chaos and all things being in commotion, we who are the moms at home, not hearing any details about what's happening to our children, um, This is part of Heavenly Father's plan for our families. And while it's not easy to reconcile or figure out how to deal with these challenges that we go through, um, it's, it's just part of the plan. So that's my testimony, and that is what I would like to leave with you today. And I hope you have a wonderful week. It was Easter just this past Sunday, General Conference. And I, I have been on a spiritual high for the last few days because of the things I heard and felt. And what a blessing to be living at this time and in this these situations when the gospel and the restoration have already occurred and it's here in its fullness and we can bask in the glory of the spirit that's all around us. Thanks for tuning in. You have a great day.